Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I'd like to start the podcast this week with an apology. With some accountability is a word that's really important to you and I in the podcasting world. It's being accountable to our listeners, to the to the wider baseball world, to ourselves, you know? And I'd like to hold us accountable for going too long without making fun of the St. Louis Cardinals. This used to be a feature of the show. A time-honored tradition. And certainly. now it seems to only be a bug. It only seems to come up every once in a while. And I am here to vow that we will be better. No more. No more. We will be better. No notes app apology. An on-mic apology for not making fun of John Moseliak, Bill DeWitt Jr., the St. Louis Cardinals, their fans, their players, <laughs> anybody in and around the St. Louis Cardinals organization you now have the Death Star of tipping pitches pointed at you once more. You were too calm for too long. <laughs> Not just the Death Star of tipping pitches, but I would say they drew the ire of most of the baseball world in the, the last whole week. Baseball internet. What are they doing? <laughs> um, I am referring specifically to how they are handling the Wilson Contreras situation, their marquee free agent acquisition. From this past offseason. Which, which I, I want to be clear, it's not a Wilson Contreras situation, right? It's a it's a Cardinal situation which they are putting on to Wilson Contreras, right? Well, they're certainly trying, and I think a lot of people are seeing through that. Yeah. This is the guy who was supposed to replace their franchise icon in Yadier Molina. And it has turned into a total tire fire um, of the Cardinals insinuating that Contreras is not good enough to play catcher, of Contreras saying, I'm this guy, I've been this guy my whole career, I think I'm good enough, I'm a good enough athlete behind there, and I'm, I make up for it on the offensive side. Um, and then the Cardinals saying that they are going to maybe move him to the outfield, and then they're saying, no, we're actually going to DH him, and he's still going to catch, and it just doesn't seem like they can make up their mind. And I think that we should cherish, we should cherish these moments as Cardinals haters when they look like the most dysfunctional franchise in sports because it's not it's not that often it's a testament to the cardinals how um few stories there are like this and so we just need to platform this moment in time it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing so i'd like to be clear that they're in the f in month two yeah month two of a I'm glad you didn't say year one. No, it's just month two. It's month, almost month one, honestly. It's almost month one. It just finished being month one. So they're through one month of this five, five potentially six-year deal. There's a team option at the end. Like, I know that overreacting in May is kind of what baseball fans do every time, every year around this time. I I feel like we usually don't expect that from the people who are paid millions of dollars to evaluate players and put together successful baseball teams. I, it feels like if you were expecting Wilson Contreras, Wilson Contreras uh, has been a major league catcher for a few years now. He's been around. And I think... Not just that. <laughs> he's been in their division the he's whole been time. In their division. And he's <laughs> been, been very scouting him this whole and time. He's been very good. I think I think people generally agree that he is one of the better catchers in baseball at the moment, right? Not defensively, uh, but yes, overall, his overall profile as a player, yes. Right, exactly. 
it, arguably, uh, Bobby, he's the one catcher you would not want to DH for. Um, but. <laughs> nah, dude. You heard about this this young cat named Francisco Alvarez? Two, <laughs> two bombs yesterday and another Mets loss? We'd love to see it. It's like they're tanking with a $387 million payroll. But it's just like, there are so many different factors that go into this. Like, namely, there's a pitcher who throws the baseballs, right? The, the Cardinals pitching staff is kind of the crux of this issue. They've been terrible, right? Yeah, I mean, so they're, they've been so bad, over, especially over the last couple of weeks. And so they're the, just too busy developing 2.2 war middle infielders. They can't remember to develop pitchers. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just a, so much, just abundance of Tommy Edmonds, and they just can't, there's no more Adam Wainwrights coming down the pike. <laughs> And I just, I don't know what Wilson Contreras is supposed to do about this. He's not the one throwing the baseballs. Um, the the Cardinals are dead last in the national, not just the NL East, the entire National League. They have a worse record than the Cincinnati Reds in their own division, the Washington Nationals, the Colorado Rockies. They are actually underperforming their Pythag. They only, you know, negative 15 run differential oh. is, is oh, not terrible. Oh, they're underperforming their Pythag? But I just don't care. I just don't care. They have the second worst record in baseball behind uh, third worst record. They have the third worst record in baseball behind your Oakland Athletics, mm-hmm. your Oakland Athletics, and the Kansas City Royals. Who woof <laughs> that rebuild is not rebuilding anything. <laughs> Certainly not rebuilding a baseball team. Whatever's happening there, it, it's true. These these moments don't crop up very often. I think where where not only are we able to turn our attention towards the Cardinals or turn our attention towards the Cardinals when they're in a bit of a vulnerable position. Famously, things tend to uh, tend to always work out for them. But I, I just wanted to say that um, Maitre Nantharaman in uh, Defector, I think, put it perfectly when she said it's, uh, it's true Cardinals devil magic. Losing eight straight games in harmless fashion and being as publicly annoying about it as possible. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> Nothing more to say here. It's just looking more and more like they were fraudulent last year. <laughs> a fraudulent team. A fraudulent team that won the National League Central because nobody else wanted to do it. Hey, if nobody else is going to do it, I guess we might as well win 90 games thereabouts right. and then absolutely embarrass ourselves against the Philadelphia Phillies in the wild card round. That was beautiful to watch as well. Yeah, the Cardinals were not anticipating the Pittsburgh Pirates, it seems. Um, <laughs> neither was I. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, uh, I picked the Cardinals to win the NL Central. I am on record as saying I thought the Cardinals would win the NL Central, even Gosh. though I think the Brewers are good. So, so this I'm, is you just trying trying to light a fire under their asses again. Accountability, accountability, yeah. tipping pitches, accountability, foregrounded. That's what we do. You know what else we do? We talk to musicians about music and artificial <laughs> intelligence. Later in the podcast, we're going to talk to Steve Sladkowski, guitarist for Pup the Band, one of our favorite bands who are playing uh, about a week from now, a little over a week from now in New York City. Um, and we are going to be at that concert. So we thought it'd be a good time to talk to Steve again. Um, listeners will remember that, uh, some listeners will remember that we talked to Steve last year around this time, the beginning of the baseball season. Steve is a huge baseball fan, a huge Blue Jays fan. He's from Canada, from Toronto. And we were reading the Spin Magazine roundup of the um musicians talking about baseball in the MLB preseason. I forget what they actually call it, how they brand it. And at the time, Steve um, was just railing into MLB owners during the lockout. And we were like, we gotta talk to that guy. We just gotta talk to him. And uh, a year later, we have brought Steve back and we're hoping to make this an annual thing where Steve comes on and we shoot the shit. It was a great conversation. I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Um, We're gonna do a little bit of housekeeping beforehand, talk about a couple other small topics. 
But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Paisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. New patrons this week, Alex. We got them. We got them. Acquired. We are once again recording this podcast five days in advance. So <laughs> this these are the new patrons who were the, the last old patrons week, technically, from last right. week. Right. We're sorry to the new new patrons who we don't know about yet. But thank you to Ellen Ann and Left Coast Jim for signing up for the Tipping Pitches Patreon this week. Um, another, no- another note of housekeeping uh, I wanted to mention. I-, I-, I talked about it at the end of the podcast last week and we've, we've dropped a message for the patrons and in the Slack and whatnot. Um, Alex and I are hoping to do a Tipping Pitches meetup uh, community meetup of sorts at the Brooklyn Cyclones later this summer. Uh, we had initially tossed out the date of uh, Friday, July 28th, um, which is a 7 p.m. home game for the Brooklyn Cyclones who play in Coney Island. We are weighing that option as well as a Saturday option, and so we have we are recirculating the, the Google form to express interest. As a reminder, this is not you committing to buy a ticket. You're not actually buying a ticket by filling out this form. It's just for our informational purposes to figure out how we want to um, get tickets so that everybody's sitting generally near each other in the same section. Um, so that link is in the description uh, if you want to fill that out. If you already filled it out when there was only Friday as the option, that's okay. You can fill it out again if you want to. If you don't want to fill it out and you just Friday is still your preference, that's okay. You don't need to fill that out again. Um, you'll probably be receiving an email from us if you already filled it out just to clarify these just to clarify the changes and the additional option. Um, not sure exactly what day it'll be on, but it'll be sometime that weekend of the 28th or the 29th, Friday or Saturday. So really excited about that. Cyclones are really fun to go watch. Beautiful park. Minor league baseball. Still good, um, in my estimation. Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be even better. They got CBA, you know? Maybe this will be the best year of minor league baseball ever. Yeah, it's a great vibe out there. I love going to the Coney Island Park. I've started to plan um, what chants I want to get going mm-hmm. at at the at this event. You know, like are we going to chant CBA? Are we going to chant like you know like different clauses from the CBA? Are we going to read them aloud? Right. Like, how yeah. can we really make our presence known? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, if anyone wants to leak the minor league CBA to us in advance of that date, that would be helpful. If that's <laughs> the strategy we're going to go, I think the minor league CBA already exists. <laughs> like, I think that Evan Drellick has seen it. Based on his summary of it, it seems like he had seen it. Yeah. His summary of it is like 8,000 words. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we should, we should uh, cheer positive affirmations. You know, like, you mm. got housing. Uh, Let's go contract. Disputes will be resolved by third-party arbitrator. <laughs> <laughs> grieve it. Grieve it. <laughs> exactly. Grieve it. <laughs> I don't Speaking, know. We might be onto something here. This is pretty good. Speak. Uh, we we can brainstorm. People can submit seven eight five four two two five eight eight one. Just call. Don't even say your name. Don't say anything. Just do a chant. You know, we'll play it on the pod. Um, speaking of uh, contracts, collective bargaining agreements, <laughs> Alex, we did it. We wait. We lived long enough to see them release the twenty twenty two through twenty twenty six Major League Baseball collective bargaining agreement. Unfortunately, it's 440 pages, so <laughs> we're not going to be doing a deep dive on that in today's episode, nor are we going to be doing it in next week's episode. Probably it's going to take a couple weeks for us to read through that and really do the deep dive version of it that we want to. Also, 
you know, TBD on what that deep dive actually looks like because we haven't had the chance to read it and see what's different and see what's interesting to us. But just know, at some point in the Tipping Pitches podcast, in the next few weeks, we will talk about the Major League Baseball Collective Bargaining Agreement, the actual PDF, the actual document, the actual words. You've waited 15 months for it. You can wait another three weeks. I got to say, I was a little disappointed with the, um, with the rollout of oh, it. Yeah. I thought there could have been more hype around it. First of all, the MLBPA's official Twitter account I know. Still has still hasn't mentioned it. I no, think no. They ha- oh, I guess the the account the, has the, like the community. Yeah, right. well, that's why. See, I have tweet notifications on for the MLBPA comms because I'm a cool guy who's fun at parties. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think I don't know. Musicians have have been on this shtick for decades, right? Of like, you got to build hype. Put some Easter oh, yeah. eggs in there. You know, maybe maybe drop a a line of the CBA into uh, into like a broadcast and see if like anyone notices. You know, um, maybe start start hiding like salary figures in like box scores on the MLB at bat. Like we have Swifty level detectives who will mm. go to these lengths because they care. All I'm of just them saying, missed, to missed the opportunity. Tip, all yes. of them listen to the Tipping Pitches podcast. <laughs> exactly. Anyone who is a, a Swifty Easter egg truther who would do that sort of research for the CBA is currently listening to this podcast right now. And I see you all and I appreciate you all. <laughs> um, how much would the Patreon tier have to be for you to do a, a live broadcast of you reading the entire CBA? How much would people have to pay a month to get access to that? Pretty low, probably, right? There's a 50-50 chance that's what the Cyclones game turns into anyway, so... <laughs> You're just reading it like the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> how? Okay, okay. I'm going I'm to become one of those guys. You know how people get like the Declaration of Independence on their back or whatever? I'm going to get the yes. opening like CBA text like tattooed uh, on my you know back. how people get the the Declaration of Independence tattoo? Yeah, people, me, I have the Declaration of Independence <laughs> tattoo on my back. You know this. That's why you don't feel the need to stand because, like, you're already. I mean, it's already I, in your body. Much like Rob Manfred before me, I would get it tattooed on me to prove how much I appreciate <laughs> this country. Um, a better question: How much would the Patreon tier, monthly Patreon tier, have to be for people to get access to you reading? The 440-page Major League Baseball collective bargaining agreement in Alex Baisley ASMR voice, trademark. <laughs> there is a non-zero chance that someone listening to this podcast wants that. <laughs> it's not just me. Yeah, it's not it's just po- me. I suppose there is. Um, well, this is, so I've been working, I've, I, you bring up AI. I've been working on an AI uh, tipping oh, pitch a soundboard. Oh. Right? So, um, God, I don't like that. So, you know, we can... Uh, feed the CBA into it and then it's no work for us right mm. which is which is again the benefit of artificial intelligence is that it's producing the content and results in very little legwork on the on flip our, side on our end. i think it would be interesting for us to treat it like thespians treat their art you know mm. you only ever do the asmr cba performance unrecorded right you have to be in the room and you have to feel that electricity you have to feel the tingles on the back of your neck as Alex Alex whispers the CBA. <laughs> Are we going to be one of those people the who grievance like, policy. We hand out the like cell phone Ziploc bags that yes. you have to so you can't record anything Just before so you, you go know, in. Just so you know, you will have to Ziploc your cell phone for the Brooklyn Cyclones beat up. <laughs> <laughs> no pictures. <laughs> um, you can't let it ha- happen, man. The cancel cra- the cancel culture crowd will will come for us if this stuff gets out. I don't want people tweeting beautiful sunsets. Uh, at the Brooklyn Cyclones game with wonderful roller coasters in the background talking about how much they love the sport of baseball and community. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> um, thank you for mentioning AI. 
that gives me an easy, easy, easy quick pivot before we get to Steve. Um, did you see this this whole uh, suite of stories in Baseball America this past week about how AI is going to revolutionize baseball front offices? Briefly, and and as you mentioned, it's a suite of stories that um, really kind of just looks at different aspects of the game and how AI could be applied there. But you you wanted to talk about it because we really have said the word AI on this podcast far too much for a baseball podcast, like within the last month. Uh, that's not going to stop with this upcoming interview. I thought it particularly resonant, given that we are about to talk about AI with Steve somehow. Um, you'll see how we get there. Very roundabout <laughs> conversation with our friend Steve. Um, it touches on many different subjects, which is the beauty of bringing on musicians on a baseball podcast. But I thought it particularly resonant with our conversation about the Writers Guild last week. You know, the Writers Guild is not directly related to baseball, despite the fact that a bunch of TV writers love the sport of baseball somehow. I think that's just the Mike Schur trickle-down effect going on there. Um, but we were talking about what they're fighting for and how there's this AI bogeyman in their conversations. And, you know, I mentioned how once you strip away all of the sort of like indust- industry specificities to labor negotiations, they all start to look kind of shockingly similar. And then we talked about the front office unionization push or in- intrigue last week. and now seeing these stories come out at the same time in Baseball America about how AI and, you know, about AI and how that's going to, quote unquote, just, you know, disrupt how data is used in front offices. I mean, what does that, what does that really mean in practice? I'm, I'm not totally sure. And, and I don't want to lend too much credence to the, this suite of stories about whether they actually will turn out to be true and how they change data uh, visualization and, you know, data processing in, in baseball front offices, because I think a lot of the stuff is actually already going on. Yeah. Um, but it's just funny how all of the like tentpole points of these trends in culture kind of wrap themselves around our different interests in similar ways. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure I said last week that if you thought the, the, that if you thought the AI bogeyman around TV writing was bad, like wait till it hits a sport whose whole thing is supposedly objective analysis, right? Like I think there is, I think there are a lot of people who say, look, maybe a computer can't write my favorite TV show, but could probably run a baseball team, right? So why, you know, why the fuck not? And those people are behind closed doors, white collar workers. We don't see the work that they do anyway. So I think that you will start to see this sort of strain of argument. Um, And as you mentioned, a a lot of this is already in place to some degree, right? Some of the examples that these articles talk about are, you know, using an algorithm to develop a draft model, right? Or using artificial intelligence to analyze a pitcher's delivery in Mm. real time. Yeah. And like, again, there are already cameras that are capturing this sort of thing and teams are already using this data. And while I think that there's probably utility in saying baseball is about collecting a lot of data and, and mining through it, and maybe there's a way to not have to, maybe there's a way to better allocate the, the resources that we have, right? The people that we have here on staff to saying what's the best way to implement this strategy versus yeah. come up with this strategy or whatever. But it does get frightening when you hear like, we're going to use a computer to put together a draft model, right? Because for decades, that's been the work of 
scouting directors and general managers who say, no, I know what a, what a good pitcher looks like, right? I know what a good hitter looks like. I'm really good at drafting college kids, right? I really do think that like, this is who we should be targeting. And as we have already started to see over the last few years, computers are already coming, right? You're already seeing teams make the argument that, well, the computer's more more objective in their analysis and we can use it to collect a lot more data. And so we don't need scouts for, you know, short season complex, that doesn't exist anymore, but like for low level, like <laughs> just another thing they got rid of. We don't uh, need to get rid of something to analyze <laughs> the thing that we've already gotten rid of. Right, exactly. There's your way of getting around it, right? If we just got rid of baseball, we wouldn't have to employ any of these people. No. I'm just saying. So, okay, I'm glad you framed it that way. I'm glad you know you're joking, but I'm not actually but like, joking. But, like, what if we just didn't pursue efficiency at all costs? I've yet to be convinced as to why efficiency is better for me, personally. Me, the fan. Me, mm. the consumer. Me, the average citizen. Me, the man making his way through the world in this society. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't, one, I don't believe it. Like, I don't, I don't believe that a computer is going to replace a person. And you know why? Because you know who's the quote unquote smartest. Wow, I know I banned this topic. God damn it. The quote unquote <laughs> smartest front office in baseball happens to be the biggest front office in baseball with the most human beings who are employed to actually use these resources and make sense of them. I think big data is not new in baseball. And maybe the, the, um, the implication here is that the AI will get smart enough to clean that data better and devise answers about what you should do with that data. Um, I have serious reservations about the efficacy of that. And I also have serious reservations about whether we should even entrust algorithms to do these things. Because at the end of the day, like algorithms were written by a few people. There are fewer checks and balances on what those decisions, on those decisions, if you are just entrusting like a one singular artificial one single one singular artificial intelligent artificially intelligent technology to say here's how you should change your pitcher's deliveries to maximize their spin rate velocity you know decrease injury the, probability etc yeah well you say decrease injury but what if that increases injuries for well, a right. whole crop I mean, of young yes. pitchers and because you actually didn't have enough people to ask reasonable questions about whether this was the right path forward and yeah, you or, know, if you or, don't have a, decades of data on this sort of thing, right? Like we and do if you, right now, and if you don't have like the analyst as the per, the conduit between the the big data, the artificial intelligence, so to speak, and the actual player and coach, the coaches who are implementing those strategies with players, then who is the player supposed to tell that they don't want to do this? Is my question. Like at the end of the day, this is a this is a team of people who are trying to entertain maybe we would do better to remember that and would do better to honestly reckon with the idea that it's better to have more people who have jobs in baseball. It's better for the long-term health of the sport to have more human beings who remain in the game. <laughs> like this is not technological advancement for the sake of technological advancement, like trying to send a Rover to the, to Mars or something like this is, we're not trying to like gather as much, information about the future and advancement of technology for the sake of the human race like we're trying to play baseball so it's okay if there's inefficiencies it's okay if there's it's okay if we're not doing everything in the most optimal way at all times i think that's actually maybe the point which right. i know i it's going to echo a similar thought that i share with steve later on but like you know th these themes are everywhere 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're right that it does echo that conversation, right? Because the the game itself is because the game itself is founded on the sort of individuality of players, right? There's that's what's beautiful about baseball, I think, is that there's not really one way of doing it. You know, it it rewards different skills, like different unique skill sets, I think in a way that maybe other sports do to to a lesser degree. Um the the absolute range of of again like pitching mechanics for example that you see right or Hunter Pence standing at the plate or something like that you know I don't need an AI looking at every pitcher who comes over in Japan, from Japan saying their windup is just a little too inefficient yeah. let's streamline it so that they all look like you know Corey Kluber yeah great what have, that's that's cool that's made the sport more fun to watch awesome. At least Corey Kluber has a nice delivery. They would probably streamline it, streamline it, and be like, "Let's make them all look like Noah Syndergaard." Like they right. go out of the quasi stretch all of the time because that is the least wasted movement. It's like, yeah. okay, well, why? What? It, right. Like, what's what is the end game? I think it's a fascinating question to ask ourselves at the onset of something like this because I think I, from my perspective, the end game is twenty years from now we have. Theo Epstein 2.0 coming out and apologizing for homogenizing the game to the point that it's unwatchable. And we have to roll back some of these changes. Sorry, we just saw it. Like, it wasn't computers who made these changes. It was human beings who made these changes, but to, to the same end. Yeah, I just I just don't know what's so wrong with the sport right now. Nothing, you know, nothing, like with the scouting that's happened. Like, I don't know. Seems to kind of work. I enjoy it when I turn on a baseball game and pitchers get injured sometimes. And that's part of the game. And scouts whiff on draft picks that's part of the game and computers are going to do also like this is all kind of just uh dare i say how it works <laughs> what do you think uh what do you think the ai has to say about pitcher wins maybe they can win me over with that if the ai is like actually pitcher wins are more important than you think <laughs> the I, pitcher wins I, I mean, FIP if, crossover they could win me over with that you know, if you're looking for it to tell you that, I think um, what I'm learning is you can just tell it to tell, tell me it that. to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> it's all about the input, baby. <laughs> Got to put the right input for the right output. Uh, okay. Well, I'm excited for everybody to hear our conversation with Steve. Uh, again, Pup is about to start uh, another tour. They had a huge tour um, over the last year or so. They've been off for a couple months, but they played all over the United States and all over Europe, and they're about to do that again. Um, Show's coming up in D.C., Pittsburgh, New York, Boston, Atlantic City, and then a lot of shows in Europe. As Steve put it, um, all of the baseball towns, <laughs> that's where they play. I'm like, I don't think that's a coincidence, maybe. <laughs> um, and Alex and I will be in attendance at the New York one, as well as probably like a lot of other baseball writers. Have you thought about, uh, I've been thinking about recently how, you know, for the 40-somethings, like the, but the between the 30 and 50 demographic of baseball writers, it's Bruce Springsteen. But for all of the like 32 and younger baseball content creators, we all kind of, we have like our own little pockets of Bruce Springsteen-esque <laughs> memeability with like, oh, we're all going to be at the Pup Show. We're all going to be at the fucking Paramore concert. We're all going to, you know, like we're kind of, we're aging into our own little version of that stereotype. Yeah, I agree. I think the other actually uh, dark horse contender for that is someone like Carly Rae Jepsen, who is so just true. universally beloved. Well, that's because just, she writes perfect pop songs. Yeah, that's because she just writes bangers. Like, I don't know. Sorry. Like, if you don't miss, people recognize that. <laughs> you mean like Bruce Springsteen? 
Let's not do this. Right we shouldn't now. do this right now. We you just have a whole ass interview to get. To. I know. I was having such a nice conversation with you too. I know. I felt felt I, that felt good. Felt positive. You know, we yeah. didn't need to snipe at each other. And now you're gonna hold. You're gonna throw the Bruce Springsteen Billy Joel wrench into this conversation <laughs> without Steve even here to litigate it. <laughs> I know. I know. Foul play. We'll we'll have to wait till next time he comes on. Um, their show in New York and a lot of the other shows that they're playing, um, will be with Pool Kids and Beach Bunny, who are two other really cool bands um specifically you and i are huge fans of pool kids we were just talking before we started recording about how the first song on their most recent album is a note perfect song that i can't go a single day without playing so check those bands out if you don't know them already if you do know them um consider going and supporting them in their live shows because i i as speaking from experience it's an exceptional fun okay let's go to our conversation with steve slidecastle Okay, we are absolutely delighted to once again be joined by friend of the pod, Steve Sladkowski. Steve, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, I am. I'm well, you know. Uh, I, I, we were just uh, talking before you hit record, but uh, yeah, in Toronto, hanging out, getting ready to leave uh, for some some tour dates uh, next week. But uh, uh, up until then, doing the, the good stuff, laundry you know, uh, the dishes, cooking. Getting yourself in the headspace to right. go to go on a world tour yeah. of your punk rock music, doing yeah. laundry, right. doing dishes. <laughs> doing doing my, my precious little errands, you know? I was I was doing the dishes last night and I was like, I was like, oh, what do I listen to? And I was like, you know, I'll put on some like punk or like maybe some like metal or something. And it's just mm-hmm. really a bizarre feeling to be like sitting there like, hmm, let me scrub <laughs> the bit of this date, the 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 edge of this plate while someone's just doing like death growls in my ear. <laughs> yeah. right? I'm like, there's an yeah. incongruency here. Uh, that tends to be my time for uh, for podcasts, actually. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have a little comedy or, or sports podcast usually. Do musicians um, have their version of best shape of their life, like before before a long tour starts? Like, yeah. do you get to tell people that you've put on like seven pounds of muscle in preparation for playing yes. every night for for a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've played the guitar every day for the last two <laughs> weeks. Um, they were. Uh, I was watching the Jays game yesterday, and uh, they were they basically did that like song and dance for like Whit Merrifield, mm-hmm. which was really funny. They're just like, oh, he came he came out of camp just in. It's like Dan Schulman. I'm like, oh, Dan, you don't have to carry water like this, man. It's okay. Like it's, uh, but they're like, yeah, he, oh, he was, came out great shape out of camp. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I should fucking hope so. Right. I mean, like, like, he's a professional ball player. Yeah. Uh, the only guy that gets a pass for that is, uh, is, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, I think, uh, because a couple of years ago they were like, he was like, yeah, it's, training camp that I, I'm supposed to be ready by the end of it. <laughs> I'm not yeah. ready now. Right? The, this and I was is like the training part, you know, that's a that's man after my own right heart. There. Yeah. The, a guy who just yeah. wants to do it all in the span of a couple of weeks when he had several the, months to do it. Like that's my enormous animating. Dude. Yes. Enormous what, dude. what better way to encapsulate how bosses want you to work off the clock <laughs> than being expected to come exactly. into camp in the best shape of your life. He's trying to Netflix and chill. Man. Yeah, that's literally the only reason I'm not in the majors. It has nothing to do with like <laughs> exactly. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to hit the gym the way yeah. that a lot of guys that I played with growing up 
uh, wanted to hit the gym. That's just, the only reason. You weren't in love with the grind, bro. That was the problem. Yeah, right, you should have yeah. been more in love with the grind. Um, Steve, we're talking to you. We're joking before you go on a, a quite a lengthy, another lengthy tour with your band, Pup. Um, starting out uh, in Washington, D.C. and New York, where we're going to see you uh, in about yeah. two weeks from the time that we're recording. Tickets still available for that show. And honestly, I'm shocked because this is this is a win of a bill here with you guys and pool kids and beach bunny. And we're really pumped to see it. So people can still get tickets for that show. I think by the time they're listening to this podcast, if they're, if they're in the New York area, um, yep. what has the last year of your life been like? Because you guys have been touring a lot. When we talked to you last year around this time, um, you know, we wanted to talk to you because we, we saw your quotes about hating MLB owners and we were like, Oh, mm-hmm. a musician who hates MLB owners seems like a good fit for us. Um, yeah. but the, since then, you guys have played quite a few shows. And at that time, you were just kind of getting back into the swing of being able to play shows after COVID. And I remember you talking about how excited you guys were. Um, mm-hmm. But now now you've really settled into like the fully, we are touring the entire world. You've done a whole stint in Europe. You guys have been on this big tour with Joyce Manor in the United States. So just kind of, I mean, what, is it, what has it been like for you to get back into that regular rhythm of being a touring musician most of yeah. the year? You know, it's it's really nice. Um, in kind of on its face, it's uh, it's been great. Um, you know, I think there was a time there in the pandemic where I definitely was like, well, I don't have a job. Like, what is what do I do? <laughs> like, just, like a couple of drinks in, like being like, should I just like watch a YouTube video of myself? <laughs> like, I, to remind me what I did. Um, I think there there is definitely still a bit of a like, but this is sort of not uh just for music and touring and stuff but definitely the the whole kind of like there's a bit of dissonance in terms of like you can still get sick you can still get the thing that we shut down the world for um so that there you know i I, i'm still conscious of that i think i think a lot of people are still conscious of that like you know we mask on airplanes and stuff still and and uh but yeah it's it's been good uh you know i think a lot of people have have kind of realized how important live music was in their lives, even more so maybe than the last time we spoke, you know, um, a lot of people excited to be going to shows and like, and, and, you know, um, people seem to be, uh, hitting festivals. Uh, you know, we were, there was a lot of worry, I think about the festival bubble popping. Uh, and to some extent, I think that is kind of true, but, but I think still people are, are looking for those kind of like large scale sort of group events, um as well i mean you know baseball and and sports are are kind of similar in that regard um and it's kind of it's i don't know it's nice it's it's uh i you know you kind of don't realize how much of uh that part of your life is kind of fundamental to to who you are as a musician but uh it's it's it is kind of a central part yeah i i imagine a lot has kind of changed as you as you guys have sort of come out of the shutdown of the pandemic again i mean where where i think f- things felt you know we didn't have to think about I, I think a lot of this on a day-to-day basis prior to 2020 right and and now a lot of it has really changed kind of the this doesn't have to get into like a whole like covid conversation or whatever but i am but i am kind of curious if there's anything as you guys have kind of come back into these spaces that feels like markedly different you know i mean like maybe like if you guys had rituals or 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 something um maybe a you know you guys 
all the bands on the on the list share a burrito beforehand. And <laughs> yeah. now you're like, boy, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess it's it's more reflective of the fact that we maybe aren't that interesting to begin with. But like, uh, <laughs> there's not like a huge difference, you know. I think most of the time, if we were going out to eat, um, we would try and find a restaurant that was big enough to you know kind of handle the touring group, which for us now is kind of pushing like eight, nine. 10 people sometimes depending on on where we are you know it's a little bit bigger obviously in north america in terms of like crew and 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 uh, uh, uh kind of who's on the bus with us but like i don't know you know there's some weird stuff where like there are like air purifiers like backstage where it feels like you know uh stuff like that is being kind of taken by some venues like more seriously than others but then i'm like well, but like the audience is out there like have you done anything for them you know right. like mm-hmm. um but no, like for better and for worse, it, it does kind of feel like people have sort of picked up where they left off, which is, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That feels like a, that feels like a problem that is, again, or not a problem, but just sort of like a phenomenon uh, that is kind of across the spectrum of, of events and kind of like how people are functioning on a kind of a day-to-day level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been a desire of just like get back to normal, right? And, and a yeah. lot of people and a lot of musicians have said, well, maybe that that normal wasn't the one we were really looking for in to begin with, especially musicians who I think work to cultivate, I think, safe spaces for fans. Yeah. You know, and I think too, it's like we haven't really considered like the, uh, we've added just sort of another um, concern to a, laundry list of concerns for the kinds of artists who have to make a living on the road. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I mean, I'm not, uh, I, we have made a career off of like timely complaints <laughs> about that sort of stuff. But, like, <laughs> um, but, uh, but it is, it is interesting to kind of see, you know, just it's uh, we're back out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if people want to hear your feelings about some of this, the systematic things about the music industry, they just have to listen to the music. It's kind of, it's there on the page <laughs> yeah. in a lot of cases. It's there, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I'm always curious about, Steve, um, which maybe you can, maybe you're a representative of, or maybe you're an aberration for, um, what is like your cultural consumption, like pop cultural consumption while you're touring on the road? Like, are you able to like watch new movies, watch new TV sh- shows, listen to other music? Like carve out time for the Blue Jays, like the Raptors, those sorts of things. I definitely, I definitely, I think sports are an, are a pretty easy one, um, just because uh, even if you are like, all right, whatever, we're going to like a sports bar or something for for dinner because I don't want to think about making another decision on like a re- on a nice restaurant or something like that's kind of you know. So you're like, okay, well, there's always going to be a game on, or like if we're headlining, we go on at ten especially now with like with the the change to kind of the timing of the games like it's easy to watch a Jays game if they're on the east coast um which is really nice uh you know it keeps keeps me engaged in my group chats it keeps me uh it's <laughs> uh, very important yeah exactly um so that's kind of nice you know i think it's like like with music it's definitely uh, like a kind of like a non-starter on the road for the most part um, interesting just because you guys are working too hard on practicing or like staying in the, just, in the zone of your own music or like what's, what's the uh, yeah, I that? think I'm just like 
I, I think my ears are tired, honestly, mm. at the end of at the end of the day, it was just like being in the venue for, you know, hours. Um, so I do a lot of like, a lot of like, if I'm falling asleep, I'll, I'll maybe try and listen to a little bit of music. Um, if we're like on the bus, cause it's pretty easy to just be in your bunk and, and you like, you have AirPods in or something and, and you can kind of fall asleep and you roll over and you just take out your AirPods and whatever. Um, or I'll listen to something like, like, just like, just the most, you know, like boring, like history podcasts or something, you know, just mm-hmm. like, and at home, it's funny, like at home, I don't need any sound or like audio to fall asleep. Like I try not to run the dishwasher too late because if I do like, it's, it's it'll keep, keep me up, up you know, like, uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, and then at home I listen to like, like records, like I have like a pretty, um, so I'll do a lot of like record shopping on the road. I guess that'll be the kind of thing where I'll, I'll like find record stores and try and go into to kind of see what's going on in record stores or bookstores and stuff. Um, but yeah, I read like a lot of a lot of fiction uh, on the road and and just try and kind of walk around and and if there are like art galleries and and that sort of stuff, like I'll um, I'll try and force myself to kind of do that um, as a way of sort of keeping that uh, creative kind of engagement side of my brain uh, going. But yeah, like, like sports, I think it's pretty easy. And, and if we're in uh, places that have major or minor league parks, you know, we always uh, um, try and uh, sort of sink a day off or something like, like to try and find tickets. And, you know, obviously, um, uh, Bailey, uh, my wife, uh, her uh, maid of honor works for Major League Baseball, and she's always kind of keeping me up to date on stuff. She's like, Oh, you're in this town. Like they're doing this giveaway or something, you know, like, yeah. like stuff like that. Je- Jess Whitney, who I think you both know. Um, yeah. Jess is great. Uh, so, you know, th- there's always that, like we were, we had a day off in Indianapolis last year and we got to go to the, to the ballpark to see the team whose uh, name I won't uh, say, but um, you know, um, so it's good. It's, it's kind of a nice way to, uh, to just feel connected to home and, and kind of get a sense also of, of the places where we are. When you are, um, as, as a professional musician, when you are going crate diving for vinyl records, what do you have like kind of a, a strategy when you go in? Are you like, I'm going straight to like the used section to see what's in there? Is Such it an important like, question? Like, because like, I usually what you, find myself, what are your pro tips? Yeah, I usually find myself like dumbfounded 48 minutes later, just with holding three different things and like, not buying any of them because I'm like, well, I want all of these equally, but can't afford all three of them. Right. right. Turns yeah. out there's a um, lot of music I'm interested in listening to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I tend to, I tend to try and keep it, um, under like 50 bucks if I'm going into a shop. So 50 bucks can be one record. It could be three records, whatever, you know? And then I tend to tend to go into the like used, like the like recent arrival used sections in a lot of record stores. Um, and then from there I'll kind of go, um, I'll go jazz, electronic, folk, all stuff that I find um is a little bit more difficult to find on streaming, like either because it hasn't been reissued or like just kind of like like some of these these sorts of recordings are not as um, uh, accessible, you know, I, I've, I've started buying CDs again, honestly, for that, that reason. Um, cause sometimes I'll find stuff that I was like, Oh, I really liked this. Like when I was in college, um, and it's just not on any streaming services, just like for what, you know, whatever, some artist who just like, doesn't 
you know, like I like John Zorn, like the the kind of jazz uh, and sort of like avant-garde guy who, who, you know, also played with like Mike Patton and just like, you know, he's one of those guys who's just like, no, like I'll put out whatever physical medium like I want to put out, but like you have to go buy it. it I'm not going to put all that shit on streaming, um, which I think is kind of a cool, cool thing. Um, you know, and then it depends there. There are, I'm, I'm, there are enough. I've, I've kind of done this enough now where there are cities that we go to where I'm like, I'm going to that fucking record store because I love it. Uh, you know, and um, you get to know, like, this is insane, uh, but probably is not that surprising. Like, like certain records you just don't find in Germany and certain records you find in Germany, like in an abundance that you would never find in New York city. Right. Or like, uh, which like I never thought was like a thing, but everyone was like, oh, the record shopping in like Germany or in London or all these places is really, really good. So like I found like tons of original like hip hop, just like for whatever reason, it was popular there kind of in the in the 90s and like vinyl was still popular and, and has remained popular. So it's like I was finding like original like Roots records from like the early 90s and like oh, mid 90s in Germany and like early Beastie Boys records and stuff like right. like stuff that if you were to find like in New York or New York or like anywhere in North America, really, like you just don't find that. Yeah, like, that's like the holy you know? grail, right? I'm yeah, like, yeah. Well, it's also been so like it's so been so no, I don't want to say like picked over by collectors, but collecting those specific records is such like a thing in North America. It's like I want to it have is. like the completest version of the Beastie Boys or the Roots or whoever. And and there's like the weird discogsification of it a little mm-hmm. bit, which like it doesn't bother me because like uh, uh, I think I love discogs honestly, um, but like y- people know what their records are worth, so you don't kind of like stumble across like I I I did the like classic I have it right here because I pulled it out literally the other day, but I did the classic thing of like I bought a second version of a record that I already owned that I forgot <laughs> I owned, so I have like a European pressing of like Kate Bush's. The kick oh, inside. Yeah. Wow, nice. And and I was like going through because I have one of those like uh, one of those like IKEA like f- like four by four record uh, like shelves. Um, and I was like, I th- I think it's time to sell this. Like, there's no reason for me to have two of the same Kate Bush record like in a in a condo that I live <laughs> in. Like, what are we talking about here? Right. Um, but yeah, so that's that's still fun, you know. Like, um, and then. Bailey, my wife is always like, it's wild to me that you can, I can go like in, into that collection and pull out a record and I show it to you and you're like, Oh, I know exactly where, like, I got that. That that's something that I, I don't know. That's, that's a weird, these are all these useless skills that I have. No, but you can't <laughs> replace that, man. Like, right? that's yeah. what, you know, I, I found myself in a conversation about this sort of thing on a podcast the other day. Um, because someone asked a, the movie podcast that I work on at The Ringer, someone asked in a mailbag, um, what, how do you think AI is going to change movies? And do you think that, like, I know it looks like shit now, but, like, in 10 years or whatever, if AI can make a reasonable facsimile of a feature film, like, whether that's a superhero movie or whatever, an action movie, do you think that studios will do that? And do you think people will want to watch that? And I was like, I don't want to speak for other people, but for me personally, like the point is that another person made it like whether that's music Mm -hmm. or whether that's movies or TV or whatever you could, if even if AI made the exact same thing, like the authorial intent, even if I don't know exactly what the authorial intent was, like the fact that someone went through the actual physical process of making something to me makes it more worthwhile. And like, I can connect to it more personally. And that's like kind of exactly what you're describing with the records. It's like, 
I remember where I was when I bought this. I remember where I was when I heard this, you know, like and having it in my hands makes it more valuable to me in a way that yeah. like, I, th- yeah. I think like AI can't really not to make this an AI conversation, obviously, but no, that, but that I think you that know, it's like that same like human instinct to want to connect with another human over art. Yeah. That that's someone I think is doing the work is kind of the thing. Exactly. Like you're, you're, you know, you're engaging with, with humanity and what I, I, I talked about this with someone, um, but there's that, that person, uh, they, their like handle is, uh, Lameem Young. Um, uh, like, and uh, his name is Max. Uh, but like, he's kind of talked about this as being sort of a, like, uh, at the end of the day, kind of what this whole, the crux of this, this AI kind of like discussion is at least with kind of like creative fields is like, what do we actually value in terms of humanity? Like a, and not to, that's, that sounds very like, like kind of like philosophical and sort of like, you know, a little nebulous, but like, if, if it's a, if what we value is that a human made a thing and we have to engage with it, then AI is only going to be able to offer so much. Yes. And like, and like, and I don't think even that that's a problem. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I think, there are probably some really cool um, applications for AI that aren't necessarily uh, like an either or like gambit, right? Like uh, they, 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 they are going to coexist in some way, but I think like there's not really anything interesting that AI art is doing no. yet, whether that's like, even like for that that like that like three or four month period where everyone was using those like art prompts, and just like most of this stuff, like it it's got to be interesting still, whether it's generated by like an algorithmic kind of computer hive mind or like a a, a neurotic a group of fucking dudes in a jam space, like um, yeah, you know, like it, if it's interesting, it can be interesting, but like. The, the the division is sort of like what kind of intangible element here we are talking about intangibles uh, but like <laughs> I mean honestly I think that one of the problems for me is that mistakes that AI make are not interesting like imperfections mm-hmm. in AI are not interesting the way that yeah. imperfections in humans are interesting like the idiosyncrasies is kind of the point for me yes and that's like yeah. that's like you say the same thing about we talk about this all the time on the show with baseball too like Actually going and watching a person strike out is way more interesting than thinking about that person striking out in a spreadsheet. Like, it's just, yeah. those things are not even comparable. And I just feel like we're <laughs> trying to pretend that they are. I mean, I had a crazy meltdown on the podcast like two weeks ago talking about like NFTs in baseball and how they're trying to make these like non-fungible token player cards, like this whole new version of the game. And I'm just like, this kind of misses the entire point of baseball, which is that it's like a mm-hmm. tangible thing that you can actually like maybe be near and watch with your own two human eyes and like efficiency is not the point here it's actually so inefficiency <laughs> is kind of the best part about baseball so at the at the end of the day the nerds are actually ruining the game yes <laughs> <laughs> but a different all subset of nerds like the weirder you know like finance nerds are ruining the exactly game. yeah 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 not yeah, I sorry. Nerds. I had to. That was like the lowest hanging fruit. I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm taking this." But <laughs> no, it's it's like it's like yes, the output is something that approximates the sport that we're used to, or the music, or the art that we're used to. But like, it is 
it is not that same, right? I can listen to the two-minute clip of the Drake and Weekend song, and it might sound like a Drake or Weekend song, kind I'm of. I'm not going to be listening but, to that clip. Never but it also clip. says a lot it. more about the state of Drake's discography right now than it does, like, the ability of AI, <laughs> well, right? And I think it, it speaks to the point that that this guy, like like Max Alper, uh, Lameem Young, was making, where he's like, he's like the, the, the point is not that the AI is making the thing, it's that it's making the most boring like possible thing. Right. If I want to listen to Drake or The Weeknd, Max Martin has co-writes all over the, the, the Weeknd records. That man is a pop genius. Yeah. Like, and so it's like, it's there for me to listen to. Like, I, I do not need to listen to a computer that is not as good as Max Martin. Right. Yeah. Max Martin is the AI thing. you've been looking for. <laughs> exactly. It's already here. Like we <laughs> right. already have that. There's already a machine that, that pumps thing. it out. Yeah. 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 It's like a bunch of Swedish dudes and one bald Swedish guy. And they're all just like <laughs> sitting, I assume in a room full of like Herman Miller, like, you know, shit. And it's yeah. just like, and here you go. Like I, I do like, I'm kind of like back. Uh, I, I love, I used to like, like I, I used to think uh, a, a lot about like, like inspiration would need to strike or like, uh, mm, like something, uh, yeah. the creative muse. And, and now I'm just like, no, fuck that. <laughs> uh, the thing that is like the, the most like, uh, real version of like, of, of like art, especially in music and songwriting is just like two of like the most unhappy people like smoking cigarettes in a windowless room in Tin Pan Alley with like a, um, like a piano, and like at the end of the day, they've written "Someday My Prince Will Come." Yeah, you know, the, the, like, the, the, the just, Get Back documentary. Yeah, yeah, like watching watching Get Back and being like, "Oh my God, it yeah. has it's unchanged." Like it's exactly, but yeah, just like that is it. That's actually how it is. That's how like like any anyone works. Uh. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a nice sort of like, uh, that's, that's what it should be. Like, it's not about like some insane, uh, uh, like inspiration. It's just about every day kind of trying to do something. And, and, um, again, like, like that is, is kind of, I think a uniquely human thing where like you, you just sort of are working on something because you are compelled to do it on a day on a daily basis. I don't know how you can write an algorithm that re- replaces that. Yeah, I mean, it 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 does kind of bring up too, right? The idea is that it's pulling ideas from around the world, right? The rest of the internet, basically, right? Yeah. And especially we just had, there was this whole big news cycle about Ed Sheeran getting sued by the estate of Marvin Gaye, right? Over... Uh, what are like whatever it didn't it didn't go through the artists i think swap ideas all the time that's like there's a finite amount of music you can make whatever but like it does raise an interesting question too again of like if you're using a computer to start writing songs like how much of that is it coming up with on its own and how much of it is like hey the the bridge from this Ed Sheeran song really slaps like that would sound really good on like mm. a Drake tune you know <laughs> and so like as the waters begin to get very very murky i do think it's going to raise a lot of like really ethical questions you know for obvious reasons and again i think like there's already sort of an answer uh for like musicians who yeah you that that is a a you know especially in like tonal like harmony like you're not going to like if you're if you're sticking to like four or five chords, there's only so much you can do. Um, 
the best, the easiest thing to do is like figure out how to either recontextualize things or take them out of context um, and, and like hide, you know, like it's, it's kind of a hard thing to explain, but you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of a cool idea of like, you know, this uh, voice to this chord uh, uh, exactly like uh, some Led Zeppelin record or something, you know, like, but how, if, if it's a context of a completely different context, like, oh, that chord just like sounds like a chord. You don't know that the person who like put it in the song learned it from a Led Zeppelin record or a Beatles record or something, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and like hiding those seams is kind of like a, that's sort of where the artistry I think is also kind of mm-hmm. um, meant to, to kind of function where you're like, yeah, of course I stole it, but I didn't steal it. I borrowed a concept or an idea and then tried to apply it in a new way, which, you know, I think is, is, Sort of the point, not that I want to stand up for Ed Sheeran, but like kind of the point that Ed Sheeran was making, uh, yeah. I think with that lawsuit, where, where he's sort of like, you don't, like you can't, you really can't own a chord progression. Uh, so I think that sort of was the point that he okay. he was kind of able to uh, to to stand on because that's just, that's just like kind of math at the end of the day, you know, like, yeah. Um, so what you're saying is in two weeks when you come to New York, you are going to stand on top of a car in Soho and you are going to play some songs for it. Adoring, that, adoring fans. That's like right. Yeah. Did. Giving the people what they want is actually <laughs> the name of the game. So That's like the infinite <laughs> monkey theorem, but for music, right? I'm like, if yeah. I put monkeys down in front of a keyboard long enough, they could probably write Shape of You. You know, like well, eventually and, and they get to those. Probably. I mean, come on. <laughs> not to like, not to like, you know, go too far down this rabbit hole, but like it, it, you could put more chords, like you could develop a more sophisticated sense of harmony, Mr. (laughs) Sheeran, sir, and, uh, not have any, like not have any concerns like that. Like nobody listens to single ladies and is like, Oh, that sounds like something else that I've heard because what the dream is doing, like in the, chorus when it's like if you like it then you should have put a ring on it if you've ever listened to like the synthesizer part that like comes in kind of underneath beyonce's vocal in in it's, it's kind of like t- toward the end of the song especially like whatever's going on in there is like so harmonically rich and like and like like jazzy like hip Mm -hmm. like really really thoughtful and but like this you don't ever think about it because the the hook that beyonce's singing is so immediate and it draws you in right like uh that that only upon kind of like repeated listenings are you like oh fuck like the harmony behind this is like you can't just sit down there and be like oh it's like this one chord so, you know, it's like, it, it, it is also just, unfortunately, and truly, like, that that Ed Sheeran was a victim of his own laziness by, like, <laughs> and, and there's nothing wrong with being lazy. Like, a hook is a hook. But, like, yeah. you can do a lot, especially with someone who has the kind of budget that I'm sure Ed Sheeran does. Like, you can do a lot to disguise what are, at the end of the day, simple and maybe even um, similar sounding hooks. It's yeah. just whether or not you want to. Wow, this this 
first of all, this pod Sorry. just turned into Song Exploder, which was kind of yeah. sick for like 45 <laughs> seconds right there. That was like, like, Lud- like Luddite son- Song Exploder. Right, you know? exactly. Like, <laughs> and we also um, went down a really philosophical rabbit hole, which is great because this is going to be such a hard pivot now where I ask you to tell the <laughs> listeners about your growing affection for um, Brandon Belt. <laughs> oh my God. My birthday, my birthday guy. Um, exactly. You're so... This is like a thing, the thing in baseball fandom is you find the baseball player who has the birthday closest to yours and you kind of develop an affinity for them because as their career goes and they age sort of into their later parts of their career, you kind of age into the rest of your life. And it's, be, it's been a thing. I remember um, Effectively Wild having a, a lot of great moments about this sort of exact thing. Um, and your guy is Brandon Belt, which we discovered um, while we were talking in a Twitter DM mm-hmm. about a month ago. And Brandon Belt is, is having a good year so far. Which is great he's, for you. Great vibes. Yeah. So Brandon Belt and I were born on the same day, uh, the exact same year, same like we are the same fucking age. So on, uh, automatically, yes, there's a guy. There's a guy that I have to, I have to, you know, um, stand as it were. Uh, but uh, I do think like I was a little disappointed that Schneider didn't send him out yesterday. Uh, played the percentages a little old school, uh, took Varsho and Belt out against the lefty reliever with the bases loaded. Not my favorite. <laughs> Especially, he racked up, he had six hits and he wore the Pirates out. Um, right. and, and, you know, I'm sure his ears were burning uh, knowing that we were talking about him in the DMs. <laughs> um, you know, since, since turning, since his birthday, since our birthday, <laughs> He has, uh, what is it, six, seven, eight, ten hits. A guy like that is sort of kind of what the Jays have been missing. Um, where, like, he's got two rings, he's a left-handed bat, and he can uh, ease the burden on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So that's sort of like, that's like per- kind of a perfect, it was kind of a perfect signing. It was the sort of thing that they just kind of, they kind of needed. So it's even kind of like, you know, uh, uh, just having him on the bench, you know, I think I kind of think having Mattingly as a coach is sort of a similar thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got, um, they've got Victor Martinez as like a hitting coach this year. There's just like a, a they brought in kind of like a bunch of like veteran sort of like former player, recently retired player, like, Edwin Encarnacion is on like the the staff as sort of like a, a consultant, like, and having this sort of like uh, there's a little bit of organizational continuity, there's a little bit of this kind of like old school thing, uh, and just trying to um, be kind of a little bit more uh, even keeled in sort of the day to day thing. Like they looked like absolute shit against Boston last week. They they were able to kind of just. All right, whatever. It's done. And yeah, and let it roll off. I think having having a guy like Brandon Belt is is helpful for that. Um and he also yeah. he looks like he smokes like a pack a day, which is great. <laughs> like he does know, have I, like kind of I'm at a mountain goats concert energy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do love when an organization's philosophy is so transparently just like, let's just get a bunch of dudes who hit. You know, yeah. capital H hitters in here. Yeah. It was like, which like the Marlins did with like Barry Bonds, right? They were like, he's hit more home runs than anyone. Of course, he's a great hitting coach. Then they were like, yeah, it yeah, turns out you can't always teach what you know. Um, but like, uh, you know, as you were saying, like, I, 
it is interesting to see this like philosophy sort of laid out. Victor Martinez, amazing hitter. Like dude had seasons where he was walking more than he was striking out, which just doesn't doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So it's cool to see like these these like dudes, you know, these are some like remember some guys from my childhood yes. who all of a sudden are like leading the next generation of young stars, which I think is tight. Yeah, and I think you know like uh like a guy like Dalton like everyone was like who is Dalton Varsho? Why did we trade Teoscar Hernandez? Varsho's And then and then it's like and like Kevin Kiermeyer has been hitting again as sort of like a a, a left-handed bat. Um like the bullpen is a fucking tire fire, but that's kind of a whole other thing. Like, um, uh, but like they, they just, there's the, the length, especially when a guy like, like belt is hitting you, you both like have a kind of length in the lineup and there's just, it's so much easier to, to be like, Oh, like Vlad's, you know, the last couple of games, like Vlad's wrist was hurting. They were like, just sit down. Like, just don't play for a couple of days and like the team can still hang, you know, he sat, I think basically that whole, almost that whole Pittsburgh series and they scored uh, 20 some odd runs, like without Vlad in the lineup and the pirates were even coming in, had lost a bunch of games, but were still the top, the class of the NL central, right? Like it's like, okay, there there's, there's a little more, it doesn't feel like we're the, the Jays are relying on the home run the way that they had in the past. And if like the guys like like Bo and Vlad and Springer were not in the lineup or not hitting, well, I don't know how we're going to score any runs, fellas. Like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whereas like this year, it's sort of like, oh, they'll take the walk and then someone will hit a double. And all of a sudden it's second and third or like they've scored a run and there's one out and it's the second inning. And you're like, oh, cool. This is this is great. This is really nice. Like we haven't had this uh in 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 a while. It does feel like they're a really good test case for like the growing pains of a team that wants to be serious. <laughs> you know, yes. like okay, you've gotten the anchor. You have like the foundation now. But in baseball, it's more than just about having, you know, like to borrow an example from your beloved Raptors, like it's more than just trading for Kawhi Leonard. Like he can't win you the title on his own. Yeah. Vlad can't do it. Bo can't do it by himself. Springer can't do it. And you really have to like flesh out the roster and commit to it, which is why it's so easy to kind of separate the wheat from the chaff in baseball is because so many owners just like are not willing to flesh out the rest of the roster. And I think the Blue Jays are like still in that like middle period where it's like, all right, we're like pretty in, but like we're in, we're in a tough division. And so we kind of have to like hold, keep our powder dry in some ways and like in other ways. And then Rogers communication owns us and their, you know, priorities kind of turn on a whim too so you know how much are we really going to go in at the trade deadline is sort of a question so as a fan it's like you kind of just have to just wear all that you don't really have a lot of control over yeah i i do think the thing the thing with rogers uh was more interesting prior to this sort of like we the north run like i think for a long time it was not like it was completely about just like um like fiduciary responsibility, like not to sound whatever, like an episode of succession. Baseball, I mean, that's what everyone comes to yeah. baseball for, though, dude. Like, it's all about fiduciary responsibility. But I think the weird thing about it is, like, like we don't have like a lunatic. Like, there was never like a lunatic. Um, yeah. Like the guy who owns the Mets, uh, uh, Steve, Steve Cohen, Cohen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like he's nuts in a way that, like, I want 
uh, an owner of a professional sports franchise to be. Right. Like you are not a sensible man. <laughs> You're unhinged. And right. yeah, and 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 that is why everyone has hundreds of million dollars uh, in their pocket to play for your baseball team. Great. So it was not like that. And still in a lot of ways is not like that in Toronto, even though I think they're going to probably sign Matt Chapman and also give Vlad $400 million more than right. Fernando Tatis. Yeah. $400 million. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah like, <laughs> right. Like, like there's going to be 700, there's going to be $700 million there, uh, depending on uh, what they can, how they wrestle Scott Boris for Matt Chapman's contract. But that's a whole other thing. Um, it's labor legend uh, Scott Boris to you. Yeah. Well, hey. Um, but I think as as everything sort of turned with the Raptors, because they Bell and Rogers, which are the two kind of the duopolies of like telecommunications uh, in Canada, own co-own uh, stakes in Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which is both the Raptors and the Maple Leafs. As uh, they sort of were reacting a little bit to the Blue Jays and kind of the Jose Bautista years all of a sudden starting to kind of crest and, and the DeMar and Kyle Raptors and this sort of like core, which hopefully doesn't get knocked out uh, tonight as of this record of like, you know, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and, you know, going out and getting John Tavares and Morgan Riley, whatever. They're in a tight spot Um, right now. Down, down to the Panthers. Not, not looking good. It's, it's Maple Leafs hockey, baby. That's what that (laughs) is. Um, Just repeated heartbreak. Yeah. Uh, But like, I think finally the sort of like, oh, wait, if the teams are good, the season is longer, which means more advertising revenue and more broadcasting rights. And like, so it's, it is prudent in, in a fiduciary sense to actually spend this money to make the team and the experience of the team, especially for the Blue Jays, um, uh, better. Like, so, you know, I think, I think a real savvy thing that they've done with this like new renovation to Rogers Center, Skydome, whatever, is opening it up a little bit, kind of like uh, like Camden Yards or like in Arizona in the outfield. Um, you know, it's it's twenty dollars, I think, for now a general admission standing room ticket. Mm-hmm. They only knocked about ten thousand like hard like real seats out, um, which they were not. I'm sure they were not selling anyway because that thing is a behemoth that was like was built in time for the Jays to win the world series in the nineties. So yeah, there were like close to 50,000 people, 60,000 people in there, depending on uh, for concerts, you know, it's kind of like that capacity. It's like where Taylor Swift will play, but like um, to then basically not affect the capacity by that much while simultaneously getting people to come in. And, you know, it's like at that point you're playing, you're paying 20 bucks to go to, to the biggest bar in Canada as apparently Mm -hmm. they're calling it. Um, kind of a good uh, pitch, and I honestly. Think, I hate to hand it to the <laughs> yeah, telecom guys, but yeah. it's kind of a good move. It, it is mm-hmm. right. Like, yeah, I, I had a friend tell me that, like, like the 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 like Jay's employee who was like scanning the general admission tickets to like go into all these kind of outfield like standing room only areas. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's the biggest bar in Canada, baby, and and he, uh, yeah, and like it's 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 great, and I think it's a really sensible way to generate a lot of revenue. Uh, for the team, like, and because they're going to spend six, $700 million on this core, you know, I think that was sort of part of part of the sort of long-term plan. I think it, I think it's working out. The, the, the stadium looks good. Like 
I was there for a bobblehead night, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and, uh, was able to get in early and get my bobblehead and like went out to the outfield and like had a beer before the game. And I was like, look, like it's downtown Toronto. It's the fourth largest city on the continent. Like, even if I want to go get a beer adjacent to the sky dome, it's going to cost too much. So I might as well just go in with my buddies and get an early beer, like at the dome. And, and then as soon as I said, I kind of like that logic laid itself out. I was like, Oh, holy shit. Like I'm doing exactly what they hoped would be yeah. done. Mm-hmm. I've been worked. Know. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got jobbed completely. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Well, I, I can see why you might think that it would, it would be profitable for a, a, a sports team to try and win at the end of the year. But if you have a couple hours to hang, we can talk about depreciation and amortization, right. all these really complicated mm-hmm. um, right. Um, Accounting issues. Accounting tricks. Yeah. Right, exactly. Jerry yeah. Reinsdorf, right. our, our good buddy down in Chicago, I don't know uh, if you've been following tips on why yeah. We've become the connoisseurs of the greater lunch business luncheon community. Just uh, all these owners who go speak oh, at these business okay. conferences. Okay. They're always just like... <laughs> They're always like giving little <laughs> quotes at a luncheon, you know. There's it's always yeah. a luncheon, and we've we've been curious about why we haven't been invited to any of these luncheons. <laughs> We'd like to have lunch with these. The tipping pitch is power lunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're doing it at Capitol Grill, and uh... <laughs> actually, yeah, we were hoping that we could just um, turn your your New York show into a luncheon. You know, maybe do like a luncheon beforehand, and then you guys play the show. We just invite various. I mean, it's the Pier Seven. 17- surely we can it's right kind of close to financial district anyway so i'm sure we can get in there and business uh, signatories of the world yeah exactly yeah exactly actually what the oakland athletics are doing is good (laughs) and (laughs) oh man it is it is it sucks i will say this is one thing over the past couple years of, of the american league east where you're like the pompousness of anyone who cheers for any of these teams, um, Yankees and, and Red Sox fans, especially, uh, but, uh, oh, Yankees nine back. I know <laughs> three games over 500 and nine back. It just, it doesn't even matter that the Jays are seven and a half back. Uh, Only division in this sport where every team has a positive run differential. Right. Right. Like not only are they all above 500, but like they are killing each other and everyone else. Yes. Like, um, it was like my uh, uh, Blake Murphy, who um, you know obviously uh, is involved with the Jays, and uh, but more importantly was like my best man. Uh, we were out uh, celebrating his birthday last weekend, and uh, I was talking to there was like someone, uh, uh, some other people, kind of in, involved in in sort of like sports media and stuff there, um, and they were kind of like lamenting the fact that like Tampa's off to this like historic start. Uh, you know, and, and Baltimore is like up and coming. And, and I was like, yeah, but the, the American League East is going to be a bloodbath, j- like divisionally, just like it has always been kind of the la- over the last couple of years. But it does kind of make me like, I look at like teams like Oakland and like, uh, you know, like there's one team over 500 in the AL Central, like, and I'm like, okay, man. Yeah. It's time. It's time to shake up the divisions. <laughs> I think it is. I yeah. actually think it is. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's going to be an opportunity for it when they expand. I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, hmm. I, I saw, I can't remember who shared it, but like, yeah, if they were like, like, like the Jays and Detroit had like legendary 
like 80s and 90s like rivalries and it makes so much sense like Windsor is right there like mm-hmm. like you know I think if the Expos ever come back you know maybe you 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 keep the Expos uh separate or you put them in the same division as the Blue Jays I mean I think I talked about this the last time I was I was with you guys like those Canada Day weekend where one year it'd be in Montreal and one year it'd be in Toronto and then one year yeah. it'd be in Montreal and one year in Toronto. That was like such an amazing thing to be a part of like growing up and going to see that, you know, but I just think I, yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you, you can still keep Boston in New York. You could put the Phillies in there if you really needed to, right. You have, you have, ah, adding Philadelphia time. to that rivalry dynamic is actually maybe the funniest possible option <laughs> because they yeah, would just yeah. fucking eat, Yankees and Red Sox fans alive. I can't even begin to tell you how much more built for it Philadelphia fans are than either of those <laughs> fan bases. Like they, you know, yeah, I Red think Sox and Yankees and fans think they're so great. No, they don't. They don't yeah. stand a chance against the Phillies fans. And I think this is the thing: it's like the the Pirates could be in a division with Detroit and with Toronto. Like you could do it a little bit more geographically. It would be, uh, I don't know. I, I just think like uh, you have to. You have to shake this up some way to incentivize teams because clearly the way this, these divisions are laid out now, it's not working to incentivize teams. Well, Alex, we know Rob listens to the pod, so maybe Steve is going to get a call from, from the yeah. commissioner's office to consult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, strange, stranger things have happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve, any other burning thoughts about the baseball world that you'd like to get off your chest on, on the Tipping Pitches podcast? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whoa, the Marlins are in second place. Sorry, sorry <laughs> about it, that. Take it down a notch. God damn, take it <laughs> down a notch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like one of those things where, like, I, I, I'm, I can't believe it's like early May and I'm scoreboard watching. Yeah, the AL East, mm-hmm. but like it does. It's just it's. It's tough out here, you know, being part of a, a group of fans who are the class of baseball again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Tampa Bay's lost eight times. Feels feels wild. Feels it's goofy. Fucking, them That's, and Atlanta are just bullshit. Come on, if you ask me, on. like it's just yeah. bullshit. Like fucking lose a game. Like this is yeah. supposed to be a league with parody. Lose a fucking game for once. So I don't know. I do just I I I. I I, I hate to say it, but like all the teams in the AL East are just fun in some way this year, yeah. which is like the most frustrating thing. Like you're like, oh yeah, Randy Rosarena's the best, and like uh, you know, Aaron Judge is awesome, and uh, Raphael Devers, I guess. But like you know, Adley Rutschman, obviously, like is going to be a dark horse MVP candidate. Like who knows? Um, such a guy. Such yeah, an absolute it's dude. it's fun. It and it's fun to to like you know yeah the Angels obviously like Shohei Mike Trout and stuff. But to feel like I think pound for pound like there's a superstar on kind of like every team in the AL East in a way that there like just isn't like Bo Bichette is the best hitter on the Blue Jays right now and he's not like flat <laughs> like yeah right he's, like, he's not even their guy, guy. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you know it's like. Uh, it's so it's 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 exciting. It's uh, I'm hoping to you know get to a few more games. I would have loved to have been in Pittsburgh, but uh, uh, we were uh, here hosting for the Kentucky Derby. My wife is from Kentucky, as you guys both know. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's going to be a fun summer. It it's finally feels like summer in Toronto too. So it's, uh, baseball is kind of more on the docket, especially because the Leafs are going to get, probably get knocked out tonight. So, um, well, well, bef- before we let you go, I just want to say that when you are out on the road, um, doing your, your vinyl hunting, um, there is a seminal country record that it's oh, probably worth keeping an eye out for. Great and that's, that's the debut album by Joe West called Blue Cowboy. Um, Come on. I don't know if you've listened to it or not. I have it on CD, but I have not been able to find it on vinyl. So, um, it, is I, there like Discogs tells you it exists? It does. It, it is a, it's very real. Yes, it's not on streaming anywhere. Steve, um, once no, again, I think oh, one, of the, one of these one, one of these artists who I think thought you we know, spent like the music a hundred. How much money did we spend, Alex, to buy this CD and have it shipped to you so that we could review it on the podcast? I think the Ugh. CD itself was not as much. It was like sixty bucks or something like that. It's I mean, like not nothing. It's, it's still a lot for a CD, but <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'll spend anything bit, right? There's one for sale, uh, and it's going for about sixty-seven Canadian dollars all in. But it seems to not have the sleeve. It's a, it's an advanced copy, I guess. They, yeah, they had oh, to they had to make sure they sent out review copies. Right. I hope that has the full liner notes because there's there's a quite a few um, nuggets in the liner notes that we were pleased to be able to read while we were reviewing. Does this it. count as like is this propaganda? <laughs> yes, this dude, point. dude. The, his spoken I mean, word album is yeah, more he has propaganda because so this is like a real actual country music album like it's, yep. it's, it has music on it and then he also has the spoken word album which is available on spotify um under the artist name cowboy joe west which we have also talked about on the pod and there's there's actual propaganda like he has songs dedicated to police and the military right my he favorite was, one is the boys in blue that yeah. one that one's oh, thank yeah. you to our military is really good too he he entered the national league as an umpire in 1976 which means he was over a decade into his career when he made <laughs> Bro, this record. I'm sure I'm there's an episode you. of this where you've litigated it, but that <laughs> is wild. We should have had you odd for that. We we had yes, we had our friend and music critic Lindsay Zolads, who used to be oh, my amazing. coworker at The Ringer and now um, review stuff for the New York Times. Um, um, and she came on to see, yeah. treat this as serious art as it as it is, you know, as <laughs> as it should be treated. No, that's a, that's a great get for 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 that. Uh, Wow, Joe West. Good God. I know. He's a content machine, man. We'll send you the uh, the MP3s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please right. do. Yeah, yeah, media fire link. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Alex sending you us a media fire link for the Joe, the Joe West pod was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> you wouldn't download a strike zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We should make that ad. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't download an ump scorecard for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um steve pop pop world tour it's happening again yeah Any, anything yeah, specifically we'll, that you want to plug any mm-hmm. we'll see you in new york uh we'll be on that tour that run with beach bunny and pool kids um uh, we'll also be in boston uh and pittsburgh it's it's baseball cities pretty much uh exclusively other than atlantic city i suppose but um uh yeah dc is sold out uh but pittsburgh um boston new york uh and then adjacent festival in atlantic city which is like a Best, all my friends are playing on the same day, which is cool. A lot of people I haven't seen. Um, uh, and then we'll be, if, if there are any European listeners, we'll be at a bunch of European festivals and stuff this year. Uh, we'll be uh, at Oshega um, and in Montreal. And, and there's always stuff uh, being announced. Um, the easiest place is just our, our .com, uh, pupthebandcom That's the, also us on social media. 
Um, and yeah, I have my deranged baseball takes that usually uh, populate my Twitter feed from from about now, um, which is just slab cow. So you know, I'm around. All that stuff. All that yeah. stuff will be in the description. I'm uh I'm on the adjacentfestival.com page. Some interesting bands that I would like to see if I were to go oh, to yeah. this festival. It's, I, it's a homies a fest, t- homies fest 2023. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we're playing the same day as as Paramore. Uh, are the big headliner? Paramore, um, yeah. Bleachers, Jimmy World, H20 mm-hmm. again. Your friend Jeff Rosenstock. Yeah, Mannequin Pussy, Slaughter Beach Dog. Like God, this, I haven't seen day. Jake. I haven't seen Jake. You know, our our Pink Shift tour mates are there as well. Uh, my goodness, Thursday, Jeff Rickley, uh, a lovely, lovely man. Yeah, it'll be good. My gosh. All right. Well, I'm uh, clearing my schedule. That's the week after uh, Taylor, Bobby. So uh, I'm going to be in Los Angeles for a wedding, Alex. Uh, Should I bail? I'll I'll FaceTime you in. I have joked about bailing on many serious commitments that I've made for music. Um, (laughs) One day I'm going to do it. You know, one day I'm just Sometimes I literally have to. That's kind of a... That's true. uh, Well, you get to call it, you know, it's work for you. So you're... Yeah, it's like a contractually obligated bailing. I'm hung up at the office. You know, I'm hung up at the office. It's really loud. I can't talk right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Spotify, you know, there you go. It's like a, that's it, true. It, it's plausible. Mm-hmm. It's plausible. It is. Right. Plausible. He's doing some, some market research, market research. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There you I, go. Well, as you know, this all circles back to my point. We're market researchers, you know, we're luncheon connoisseurs. We're doing business mm-hmm. research. We're B2B. We're all that good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, 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 Patreon only content where, uh, it's a power lunch. The tipping, the tipping pitch is power lunch. Yep. Those tickets would sell. If we price it high enough, there would mm-hmm. be some owners who are like, maybe I do need to be a part of this. Yeah. Alex, <laughs> Alex Rodriguez is the, is the first one in the door. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the last one out, you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, Steve, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you both. It was, uh, it was, it was an honor, as always. And uh, we'll see you in the city. Thank you to Steve. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to you, Alex. Thank you to people for filling out the form. If they have, I would actually appreciate the information. Please fill out the form if you're in the New York City area and you would consider coming to the Tipping Pitches Brooklyn Cyclones meetup. Uh, as a reminder, that link is in the description. It will ask you whether you're interested in coming, how many people, how many tickets you would want if you were coming, and whether or not you prefer that Friday or that Saturday. Anything else to leave the people with? I just want to say a quick word uh, on a somber note. This past week, um, Oakland A's legend, Vita Blue, passed away. Uh, And I I felt like we couldn't do a a podcast without at at least mentioning him, who was such an an iconic figure for his time. Um, And an incredible pitcher, but also a really incredible human who played under one of the most ruthless owners the sport has ever seen in Charlie Finley. And in spite of all that, knew his worth, knew how much he was worth and wouldn't capitulate to Finley and sat out part of the 1972 season so that he could get his bag. And uh, he was kind of a real one for that. He was also a real one when uh, after 1976 when he said, I hope the next breath Charlie Finley takes as his last. Bro, fight a blue. So... 
come on the 1976 version of Tipping Pitches? I I just I've looked up this to this man for for years for for many reasons, but he is a he's a larger than life legend who I think never really got his his due both during his playing career and afterwards swept up in a lot of the 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 drugs in baseball in the 1980s, missed the Hall of Fame, which is a fucking travesty. Too many people missing the Hall of Fame while they're still with us. Like for for reasons of inflexibility. You know yeah. what I mean? Like because yeah. the numbers don't say a certain thing when like ugh, I don't this is a, we're not gonna get into a whole Hall of Fame. R- right. Yeah. Um, it's a- um talk about a guy who I wouldn't want to be sanded down by artificial intelligence telling him Jesus to change Christ. his delivery. Oh my god. One of the most beautiful, um, iconic stylistic deliveries with the high leg kick, the bend over, the far reach back from the left side, uh, and those beautiful, like classic A's uniforms, just like wow. Uh one of the best baseball names of all time. And as, as you said, one of the most down dudes to yep. just lay it on Charlie Finley. I mean, at some point. When you're Charlie Finley, you're asking for it. But yeah, yes. Um, thank you for noting he, that. he didn't make many friends. I, I should note. I think. Um, <laughs> I think most A's players at the time probably would have echoed those feelings. Yeah, I agree. We need to. We need to. Um, we got to bring that back. You know, who's going to be the first guy who's going to say, I, "I hope this owner takes his last breath." <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, you can't say that anymore with cancel culture. You. That's the. That's right. the problem. You can't. Um, thank you for mentioning that because it's it's very important not to let that slide by. Rest in power by the blue. Um, thank you again to Steve thanks everybody for listening we will be back next week hello everybody Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez tipping pitches tipping Pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!